This is Weiss and Susan. Welcome to our episode today, which is another Motherland Reports. So for those who haven't uh, aren't too familiar, the Motherland Reports is a recurring segment where we check in with Ali Latifi. Ali is a journalist currently living in Afghanistan and based in Kabul. So Susan, uh, what do we have in store on this episode? So on this episode, Ali took us through how Afghanistan has been impacted by COVID, how the government and the citizens are responding, the more recent attacks and peace talks, and we touched on how people there are actually reacting to the election and the inauguration that we just had here, and just kind of touching on what life looks like over there right now. Um, Of course, you also needed to put him through this trivia challenge of yours, uh, and I guess we'll find out how he did. (laughs) Yeah, no, I can't wait. Well, thank uh, thank you everyone for listening and enjoy the episode. The Sanivar Network. So, Ali, you and I yeah. were talking before the recording, and you mentioned something to me that actually I, I do want to start right off the bat with, which is the unfortunate position you're in of not getting Disney Plus in Afghanistan. <laughs> or HBO Max. <laughs> What's that Max. like? <laughs> it's, what, actually, what? it's actually... I, w- I was saying earlier how when Netflix became worldwide a few years ago, it sort of changed all of our lives because you didn't have to go to the bootleg DVD store anymore and just get, like, stacks of DVDs to catch up on, like... How I Met Your Mother, and all these other things that we were so late for, that I've still, like, all of, it's kind of dumb. I know that, like, all of our modern family was recently put on Afghanistan Netflix. <laughs> so oh, that's like, exciting. I, I finished all of that, and all of Community was put back on Afghanistan Netflix, and I finished all of that fine. Like, the show ended in, like, 2013 or 14, but just a couple weeks ago, I finished it. Well, if it's any consolation to you, it didn't come to American Netflix until this until like May or April of this of Which is 2020. When it, so when it came here, both of them, and that's when he started rewatching them. Um, I was gonna say I started watching Community this like in 2020 as well. See. We're we're on the same timeline. All right, cool, cool. Like, yeah, because uh, Ali was giving me crap because he was like, "Have you watched WandaVision yet?" And I was just like, "Nah, I haven't really felt like it." And he was chance. like, "You don't understand. Exactly. <laughs> you have the opportunity." Listen, listen. I when I remember last year when Endgame came out, I was so mad. Because when it actually came out, I had, like, some assignment to do. Then my mother came to visit. And I was like, fuck, like, I can't leave her to go watch Endgame. <laughs> so I, I was delayed by, like, two months watching that. Um, I've yeah, literally... and Endgame is, like, a seven-hour movie, so... <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's, like, a, it's no, like a wait, three and a half on. hour movie. Wait, hold on. I think I ended up having to watch it here. Yes, on my computer. <laughs> I had to watch. It was Infinity War that I flew out for to 
Dubai. I flew to Dubai to watch Infinity War and Thor Ragnarok. And then good movies. And then I had to watch uh, Black Panther on the flight to Turkey. I think like this is really sad. This is my life. Yeah, you were telling me that like most of the, your Marvel intake has been on uh, Turkish Airlines flights. God to Dubai. bless Turkish <laughs> Airlines. That's so funny. So for everyone wondering what life is like as a journalist in Afghanistan, this is This is our biggest concern. (laughs) You know, like, how do we know what happened to Captain America? Okay, in in your defense, like, yes, it is it is nice to watch a movie in a big screen, you know, in a in a full movie theater, things like that. However, I think there's also some value to watching a Marvel movie uh, three inches away from your face (laughs) in in an airplane. No, so like every year for the last few years, and um, I think you guys know my friend Walid, right? He lived here for a while. He lived right upstairs from me. So every year I had this challenge where I tried to watch all of like the best picture nominated movies. And believe me, it's much harder than it sounds here. Um, so it requires going to, to, to Flower Street to find like the bootleg DVDs, hoping it's a good quality, hoping like when Parasite came out, they didn't have it with the English subtitles. They were like, well, it's in Chinese. I'm like, no, it's in Korean. You know? <laughs> that sounds and, like I've <laughs> And... But they, I remember because they got a bunch of them and, and the store owner, he's like, these are all nominated. I'm like, I know, that's kind of what I do every year. Um, and so anyhow, like I made Walid watch all the movies and he liked them all, even The Shape of Water, even though he thought it was weird. But, you know, I made him watch. He's like, because of you, I've like expanded my heart. So I was like, see? So. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I yeah, I, I can't imagine what it would be like to try to find Parasite. Even with a with a Farsi translation would probably be super tough. Well, I was going to say, right? that's a lot of translating on translating. Right, right. So I uh, eventually, I was in Dubai this time last year with my cousin Lema. And I was like, listen, just go with it. She wanted to meet up at the Mall of the Emirates. And I was like, just believe me, it's going to be a crazy movie. I don't fully know what it's about, but we're just going to. I was so. And then when we when we left, she was like, this is amazing. Like, I was so worried that she was going to get mad at me for making her watch some I, weird Korean movie. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a movie to not just. All right. It's both a movie that's perfect to go in blind, but also, like, if you're bringing someone to watch it, like, without knowing anything about it, then I don't know. Susan, did you, did you, have you seen Parasite or no? I have, and I went into it very blind, too, and I came out of it being like, what? Like, that's exactly movie. And then I watched, uh, like, two other movies by that same director after. Oh, nice. Oh. Yeah, was it Okja and which one? Snowpiercer? Uh, Snowpiercer was one of them. And then I can't remember what the other one was, so it must not have been that great. But I don't remember. <laughs> I remember Snow, Snowpiercer <laughs> stuck with me. I was like, I dreamt about that movie. And I was like, why did I watch this? <laughs> Wait, so, hold on. About a movie, going into a movie blind. Susan, I want you to watch Promising Young Woman on Amazon. And I want you to tell me what you as a girl think about it. Okay, promising. What is it again? Promising Prom- young what? Young woman. Young woman. Promising like, young woman. It, okay, I should it's remember It's likely that. to get her nominated for best actress, 
It's yeah. a total mind trip of a movie. Um, and it, it's like one of those like early access things, so it's like 20 bucks to rent, but it's worth it because it's gonna, like I wanna watch it again now because it, it totally messes with your mind. Hmm. Uh, I'm and curious. I feel like for, 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 for like a girl, it would mean even more. Uh, Interesting. Like, I don't want to. So spoil all it. the women need to comment on this podcast yeah. thread if they you really have do. seen it <laughs> to give feedback to Ali about this, <laughs> about what it's really like, about whether it's accurate or not, and whether you would do what she did. Ooh, I don't feel like I'm going into this blind anymore. I'm curious. <laughs> I, I, this is this is happening sometime soon. All right. So, cool. so you know, not to tra- not to forcefully transition but you know we're we're talking about we're talking about streaming movies so much because none of us can go to a movie theater (laughs) and why do you think that is it's because the entire world is in a current pandemic and i know uh, you know of course i know the experiences i'm going through in los angeles and throughout the throughout the u.s and I think a lot of people would want to know sort of what's going on in Afghanistan. Did you like that transition? I thought that was pretty good, right? Speaking of movies. Um, so, yeah. So what is life like right now in Afghanistan com- dealing with COVID? It's completely normal. Imagine it's 2019. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean? Like, like what? No I mean, one's wearing masks? A few people are like maybe like one out of every 10 or 20. Well, now it's more because like slowly cases are starting to rise again. So it's maybe like one out of every like eight people. Um, You sit in restaurants, you have shisha, you have coffee, you uh, there was a giant film festival a couple months ago. We (laughs) were all there were like hundreds of people. I was responsible for bringing my friend's classic car. So I was more worried about that, about that car getting broken down than, but I went inside to show the guard because he's like, Ali, what's it like inside? I'm like, come with me, I'll show you. So I show, there was like hundreds of people. It was literally like a film festival because there was like a giant backdrop, like a giant step and repeat and literally just hundreds of people standing around taking pictures wanting to take pictures in front of the step and repeat and like wanted to Is take this all indoors? The... Yeah, it's all completely indoors. And then there was like oh. another really nice hall with like the youth orchestra was going to play and everyone was going to sit there. And I was like, I have a, like, what, what year was it? I think it was like 66 or 63 um, Mercedes story about. So I'd rather like, you know, deal with that than... Um, you know, being inside, but that's what I'm saying is, is like, it's completely, completely back to normal now in every sense of the word. There was like a two and a half month lockdown, which ended with, uh, which Eid, I guess. Yeah. The Eid after Amazon, it basically ended like, uh, it was already starting to end. Yeah. It was, so that was like, what, like June. It was already starting to end by then. Um, and then basically uh, around Eid time, it just... And then by, by Eid al-Qurban, like, it was completely done. It was just totally done. Like, everybody was over so, it. When you say lockdown, how, how far of a lockdown was it? Like, were restaurants closed? Like completely? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like, restaurants were closed, barbershops and, like, beauty salons were closed, wedding halls, which is a big deal, right? Because... Wedding halls, yeah. it's like a thousand, two thousand people in these giant rooms. Um, 
those were closed for about two and a half months, something like that. Um, and then there was like, you know, like you could still walk out on the street. You could still go from one side of town to the other because like it wasn't that strictly enforced. But a lot of businesses and, and uh, schools and things like that were closed for a long period of time, which had a big effect on the economy. Um, and obviously, like, people like daily laborers, like the painters, the carpenters, the uh, money exchangers, the, the people who sell, like, uh, phone credits, um, the people who sell, like, Palau and Bologna and stuff on the road, like, they were all back on the street because they didn't have a choice, you know? Like, you need, mm -hmm. you need to make money. And um, there were, like, for instance, when you would go into a bank until recently, there was like these thermometers that like they put up to your forehead that checked your mm -hmm. temperature. Uh, they would have you like sanitize your hands before you walked in, but then everyone would crowd around the tellers. So it wasn't really, you know, it was kind of like, well, what's the point? Um, or like there would be outside, like the non-body outside, like the, the bread bakery, like there would be like circles painted on the floor that were supposed to show how far apart you were supposed to be. Um, but now every, I mean, when I say it's like 2019, it's really like 2019. Because I think there was like a good, like, say like two month period where everybody got it, you know? Because like, so. Oh, you mean F1, everyone who got sick? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, because like. Yeah, in, that's what I was going to ask. If like you knew people that actually like contracted it or like if. if oh, I knew so there many There are a lot like, of people getting it. I knew so many people that got it. Um, I, I knew so, so, so like our relatives, all of the families, they all got it like seven, eight people at a time. Um, and then all of the ones that I knew like personally got over it. But there were people who said like, oh, I just like this person just died. I just buried this person. Um, so, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and so how that's what the, I think. How, how were the hospitals handling it? Awful. Because people didn't go to the hospitals, right? Because they knew that it would be overcrowded and that on a normal day, they're not very clean. <laughs> so um, right. people just avoided the hospital. They, they, you know, at most they would go to a clinic or something and they would get diagnosed with, I think it's typhoid, like one of those weird illnesses. Um, and people knew, and this was before, like now that flights are back to normal, um, there's testing centers all over the city and all over the provinces too, like the major cities. But um, before that, there was really only one place you could go for testing. So it was like, you know, hundreds of people waiting outside that hospital. So that's why people at most, they would go to like a little clinic and they would do like a chest exam or like a CT scan or something and basically say like you probably have it and then people would just self-isolate um <clears throat> and it was crazy because prices of things like hand sanitizer became like seven dollars a bottle um oh, like these up. vitamin c tablets at least, at least you guys still had it <laughs> susan remember here you like... had it yeah we were you like had out. it but it was like you people were priced out right like yeah like um even like because so even to this day when you make a phone call 
there's like a minute long message that plays in Dari and Pashto, so it's really long, uh, <laughs> that says like, you know, how to be aware of COVID. And one of the things it said was have things with vitamin C. So like lemons or oranges. So like the price of lemons and oranges skyrocketed for a while. Uh, mm. Because everyone was rushing out. Like if you couldn't get the vitamin C tablets, uh, you would just go and buy a whole bunch of lemons, right? Um, so there, there was definitely a, a period where it was serious and literally everybody got it, you know, everybody, you know, because the thing is, is like in Afghanistan, every household, it's like seven, eight people, right? It's like the grandparents, yeah. the grandchildren, the parents of the grandchildren all living in one house. And for a lot of people, because they don't live in big houses, it's hard to actually socially distance, right? And mm-hmm. if you think about it, even if you socially distance the rest of the day, like when you have a meal, right? You all sit around the same distarkhan. You may, you may all eat with your hands from the same ghuri, or you may, even if you don't eat with your hands from the same dish, you, you know, you all reach into it to get it and put it on your plate. Um, so that whole social distancing is very difficult here. Plus, the, I feel like the vicious cycle about this, especially in somewhere like Afghanistan, where it's like, if you happen to have a family member who passed away, uh, guess what? You have a fatio where all of a sudden now a bunch of other relatives probably come by. <laughs> and it's like, how do you control something like that? Well, I mean, yeah, I, that, that's the thing. Like, a lot of people wouldn't tell until after. Um, or, you know, they would have to try and, you know, Because I went to, so like I had one relative of my father's who died and I didn't know she had died. And so my mother called and I saw her son at his restaurant. Like I was going to go to the house, but I saw him at the restaurant he owned. And he was like, yeah, don't come. We're not having a fatia. We're keeping it, you know, um, quiet. We don't want, you know, to, to create a crowd. Um, and then I went to another one where <laughs> I had to go inside because I, I knew the family very well and I had to go inside and I had to sit with them and um, I even like my parents said okay if you're gonna go just go for 10 minutes and I ended up <clears throat> staying like an hour um, and it was kind of you know like well, what do we do because some of the people who were in that room had COVID like had gone through it um, but you just had to do it, you know? Right. Um, so I, there was, they did try and enforce it where like, you know, at the burial, at the actual genozah, only 10 people could come and you had to keep some distance. But that's also part of why people would just go in very quickly, even more quickly than usual, bury their relatives. And, you know, some people followed that only 10 people, some people didn't. Some people, <clears throat> you know, had fatiyas, some people didn't. Um, because it's very hard to enforce these things here, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, what about what about but, masks at the beginning? Were, like, oh, was a lot there of any people kind of mandate them. or anything? There was, like, certain places you would go in, it would say you have to wear a mask. Yeah, so so you, you, so masks were kind of something that were... So, you know, now that we've kind of gone past that, I'm curious about, in terms of testing, when... Mm-hmm. When someone got tested, when did they usually get the results? Like, Within, did that was that a process uh, that take a long time too? 
now it's within 24 hours so it's okay because now because now flights have resumed they're so used to it like so i a friend of mine from uh, npr uh, pbs was here and i was producing for her so i had to go with them they had to keep getting tested and it's like you just walk in you give them your passport they ask you where you're flying to what airline and then you know they send you into the room to get tested and then they're like okay by depending upon what time you get there 8 a.m 9 a.m 10 a.m the next day it'll be ready um so it's become very uh regimented you know what about in more like rural areas like do they have access to testing what does it look like in you know in other places so if you're if you're somewhere outside of a major city then that's the problem, right? You have to go to the nearest city to get tested, Hmm. right? So if, you know, like, if you're in the east, you would have to get to Jalalabad, which, you know, for some people, it's only 30, 40 minutes away. For other people, it's like two, three hours away. You know, same thing in the south, you would have to go to, like, Kandar or Lashkargar, or, like, in the west, you'd probably have to go to, like, Herat, and you could go to some of the other provincial capitals. And in any case, you basically have to go to, you know, uh, the capital of the province. Or if they didn't have enough, because I, I would imagine there's a few, several provinces where they wouldn't have that much anyways. Um, just like to the next major city, right? So like, if you're in the north, you'd have to probably go to Mazar or Kunduz, you know? Um, and if you're in the south, like probably Kandor and Lashkargo and like, you know, things like that, I would imagine it, it is very difficult. Like the further away you are from a big city, the more difficult your access to healthcare is in general. Uh, and then COVID yeah. is something that's so specialized, right? Yeah. It makes me wonder how many things have gone like underreported, like how many people have had covid or and recovered from it or haven't recovered from it that it's just not reported and it's not well it's completely underreported because like i said even in kabul and you know all herat and jalalabad and all these places uh people didn't go to the hospital you know yeah. um because at that time testing wasn't very good and also you know they uh they, they would say, like, the hospitals are overcrowded on a normal day. They're not clean on a normal day. Why would I go? I, like, I remember I was talking to an advisor in the government. I think he was an advisor to the president himself. He, he was at this cafe, again, a few months ago when everybody was back sitting in cafes. And um, he said that the, the, the mayor, no, the governor of Kabul called him and said, any hospital you want to go to, I can arrange for you. And he said, uh, Wali Saib, if you want me to die, send me to the hospital. If you want me wow. to live, I'll just treat myself at home. And that yeah, Bring me what, a doctor here. <laughs> yeah, that's what everybody did. That's why like the numbers for Afghanistan are so low. It's like, I think like 30 something thousand, maybe some, something like that. It's still not like... I don't even think it's 100,000 cases yet here. Um, I mean, it makes sense. Well, so with that being said then, like, I mean, if there was, it's tough to access even testing. What does the rollout of the vaccine look like? Like, is it 
does it is it there and if it is like where is it and where how would people access it if it is here already it's to the most privileged most wealthy Mm. most high level people right now i uh, but I, i don't even think it's here for them yet um but that's the question of when it rolls out how will it be monitored because we have a lot of problems with like counterfeit um, medicine, so how can we be sure that 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 uh-huh. that it'll be the actual? And also, I think it's the Pfizer vaccine. It needs to be stored at like what is it like negative eighty? Yeah, it's Celsius, a ridiculously low like temperature. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Like, okay, how can we ensure that here it'll be kept at that? You know, how can we? Because like there isn't twenty four hour electricity and. Unfortunately, the problem is is that just in general, there's so much corruption here and there's so many people who are unethical that you wouldn't even be certain that, like for instance, these testing centers, the Ministry of Public Health recently shut down a bunch and said that a bunch of them are, are fake, they're giving false results. And we only certify like these ones. Um, so it's really bad, It's 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 really, um yeah it's it, i mean it, it's just constantly raising more and more questions of how these things will be handled because like i'll give you an example so i was just in Bamiyan a week or two ago and um i was talking to some of the people and they were saying that because the government was getting special funding for covid for special covid hospitals the people in the governor's office would literally round up like the beggars and the homeless people and say come to the COVID hospital and say you have COVID and you can spend the night so that we don't lose funding for the hospital. Oh wow. Because they already probably stole the money for the hospital anyways you know. Um, So they just need something to account for it. Exactly. Um, So like this is what's really sad about it is that the amount of things that are done ethically are so minimal unfortunately that you know it's heartbreaking yeah exactly like imagine that there are people that will give you a fake covid test you know yeah just to make money because it just kind uh, of makes you realize how like i don't know it it would also be disheartening if it's the test that like involves sticking the q-tip in your nose (laughs) if if someone were to do that to me well, that's what, what it is, that? right? Because they have to pretend it, right? Right. But I like, guess what I'm saying is, like, if someone were to stick a cotton swab into my nose and then I find out, like, a week later that that person is was right? making the results up after, that would be so disheartening. And, 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 and they're charging you about $50 for the test, right? Yeah. Which, to a lot of people here, is a lot of money, you know? Yeah. To, yeah, I mean, to, to a lot of people like, here, that's a lot of money for, for one right, test, to, especially if you're going to need to do it, like, once a week or something. Yeah. I, I mean, it sounds like for people there, just for citizens there, like, you don't really have a lot to rely on. You can't really rely on the medical system. You can't really rely on the government. You're just kind of on your own. And that's why that's why so many people... Um, what was the statistic? It was, like, more than a billion dollars a year is spent by Afghan patients going to Pakistan and India, Mm. and that's not counting Iran or Turkey. Um, 
and then the really rich ones would go to like Dubai. So, yeah, like that, that. That's the problem is that people feel that they have to go like when you see uh, like outside the embassy of Pakistan, especially in Jalalabad, like where like they throw water on people and like or there's like a stampede or whatever. 60, 70, 80, maybe even 90% of those people are there for waiting for like health visa, like medical visas, you know, or are getting the visa so they can go to the hospital in Peshawar. Um, wow. So you have to leave home to get like any kind of care. Decent care, yeah. Wow. I mean, it yeah. sounds like a lot of this is like structural stuff that needs to be fixed in afghanistan and so covid is just like not as much of an issue it's like no we we have a lot of work to do outside of this that and also i think it's it's even scarier right because if like weiss is in los angeles right if los angeles has such a bad situation right now right which Um, it does yes right like um and apparently like for the longest time, testing was really hard to find in the U.S., right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if, if the U.S., the U.K., if these places are having problems, what is to be expected here? Although, like, you know, like the numbers are low here, and I think a lot of people got it and got over it, but still, mm-hmm. it, it, it's a case study of, of the logistic challenges here, you know, the bureaucratic and logistic challenges here. Um, right. because but it also like well, Afghanistan like, had like a full shutdown like the thing with the US is that there was never a point where they felt com- where the government but, and businesses stuff felt comfortable enough to just completely shut everything down right we always but, we but, still had we still had restaurants open you know for takeout or uh, no we had it open for takeaway like too like we had it oh, open oh, okay. for takeaway and grocery stores were open things like that but uh Apparently they made tons of money that way, uh, but um, what what I, what what I wanted to say, like that's a good example of like 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 the way the restaurants handled like their takeout is actually, like you would park out like if you were driving you would park outside, there would be guys with like the full on like you know COVID suits and like with the spray they would spray like your tires, and they would hand you the food and then you would leave. Or, like, they would come on their motorcycle with, like, the masks and the gloves and quickly hand you the food and you give them the money. Um, so, you know, there are ethical entrepreneurs. But what I wanted right. to say was, more than anything, like, here, at least in the U.S., obviously, like, the, the social welfare, social services is really bad. But at the very least you guys got $1,200, right? Which obviously doesn't do anything in the U.S., right? But at the very least, you got $1,200, and you're potentially getting 600 more. And in some states, there was some kind of, like, rent reprieve or whatever, right? It's minimal. I get it. It's still not enough. Or, like, you can get unemployment, right? Here, none of that exists. You know, so, so, so the economic impact on people's lives... Is and that's why I was saying earlier, like the people who are day laborers, like the painters and the carpenters and the uh, money exchangers, and they had no literally the first day of the lockdown, they were out on the streets, you know, mm-hmm. um, because there is no proper social welfare. Like they tried to do like this bread distribution, and it just ended up a massive flop, and 
uh, accusations of, of, of them stealing the money, of the government, of the mayor's office stealing the money. Um, and even like the COVID funds, like so many provincial governors were accused of like stealing that money. Um, and this was God. all meant to help people, you know, in you know, an already devastated like, economy. The sad thing is like, I remember hearing stories, not about this specifically, but like, I think there was, it wasn't social welfare, but it was like some sort of part of the government that would fund people's trips to Mecca. Mm-hmm. And I remember hearing stories of like those government, you know, the officials pocketing that money as well. Like it's just like it's it's been decades of hearing stories like that. Oh yeah, about about Hajj, yeah, 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 about, about yeah, yeah. The, the the Hajj and Religious Affairs Ministry, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's all of this stuff just gets pocketed. You know, yeah. like school so, book money got pocketed. Yeah. So, you know, kind of transitioning from from COVID, uh, the the other topic of conversation that especially Afghans, Afghan Americans and the diaspora have some working knowledge on is this the whole Afghan peace talks, Uh, you know, since the start of the new year. What has been has there been any updates that um, that you've been hearing? (laughs) Right. So um, basically, (laughs) Since 2011, when the Taliban first got to Doha, we've basically been in a state of talks about talks. And that's sort of where we are at this point, where in just a few weeks ago, um, the Taliban and the representatives of the government finally came to an agreement on how to structure the talks, on how to set the agenda, on what should be on the agenda. Um, And now (laughs) they just have to actually start the agenda. Like they actually have to start the talks now. Um, So they're just, so they were just talking about talking. Literally. And that's literally since Obama sent them to Doha in 2000, like late 2011, early 2012, if I remember correctly, that's literally all it's been. Um, and so we're, we're literally waiting for the actual talks to begin because the most pressi- pressing issue for the government is a ceasefire. They want a nationwide ceasefire. Um, and recently the, the Taliban said that they would agree to a ceasefire if there was proper like written agreement that all of the foreign troops would leave, which seems likely anyway, because I don't think Biden wants them to stay. Um, And that we would, this is the part that's the most uh, up for debate, that we would move towards an Islamic system, which again, everybody says, we live in an Islamic Republic, right? Our laws are based off of Sharia, our education is based off of Islam, you know, so many things, like, it's not as if Islam ever left Afghanistan. That may be what, you know, Iran and Pakistan are telling, you know, potential suicide bombers, but in reality, uh, the religion has never left this country. Uh, and yeah, it's always plus been Ali, part- I, don't know if, I don't know if you know this, but, um, I mean, I'm pretty sure there what is or what isn't Islam is something that universally we all, there's no disagreement on, right? Right, 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 right. 
Right, exactly. So, like, how, how do you how do you even define? Sorry, sorry, to pull the veil from my sarcasm mm. on that. Like, how do you even define what each side is considering to be quote unquote Islamic? That that that, that, to that I mean, th- this is what, and I think this is a very legitimate argument people make uh, back to the Taliban and their supporters is that okay, tell us what in the current constitution, what in the current education system, what in the current legal system what just societally isn't Islamic enough for you, you know? What does that, at least tell us exactly what that means so that we can counter to that in the sense that, like, well, we already have this, you know? Because, like, for instance, they say Islamic education, right? But the entire education system in Afghanistan, like, I've seen my little cousins, like, half their, you know, classes are about religion, you know? Like, them going Hmm. over it and... Uh, you know, reciting things and going over like facts and history and things like like it's completely there. It's not as if it's missing, um, and it's not as if any Afghan would ever accept for it to be missing. You know, there are like you know some fringe, super liberal whatever, but that's such a small percentage of the population. But the ninety ninety nine percent of this country wants you know Islam to be part of their daily lives. Um, and so that that's so, so the of, Taliban is just I guess their hang up or their complaint is that in order to have a, a fruitful peace conversation we need to talk about what introducing more you know making making ensuring that Afghanistan uh, remains like an Islamic state but well I, I think the problem is is that is that they don't even consider it currently an Islamic Republic or like an Islamic it. state, which is really weird because it is. And this is the question everyone keeps at, like, fine, you want to say it's not, but tell us exactly how it's not. And then we can, you know, either say you're right or say, no, here's the proof that it is. And then I guess, you know, connecting this to, so there's been some string of recent violence uh, specifically, mm-hmm. there's uh, an instance of two female judges that were mm-hmm. assassinated, in addition mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, a, a handful journalists of journalists and, uh, and, yeah. and, and activists and, yeah. Has uh, there been and, any, uh, like, has there been any links, comments? Like, how does that tie into this, to these peace talks? So the government claims that 99% of this is the Talibs. The Talibs say they have no they have no role in this, and that if they were to do it, they would have said it. Um, and this just goes back to how difficult how difficult things are to prove here, because you know the the government can claim anybody is a Talib, right? Very easily, you know. There's there's very little burden of proof in these things, just as it was, you know in the beginning of the so-called war on terror, right? Where everyone was sent off to Guantanamo or there was rendition, you know, on boats so that they didn't have to worry about international law, you know, things like that. It's very, like, this government has very much bought that whole war on terror mentality. Um, And so, and it's very difficult to prove one way or another who's doing it. But I think what it shows is how easy it is to do these things here because the question is let's say i'm sure the taliban has a hand in at least some if not all of these right 
but the other thing is is that like it's so easy to get a gun here it's so easy to buy like a sticky bomb or like an ied you know like literally you can buy it um so the question is how much of this is copycats how much of this is mafias how much is this of this is people just trying to scare one another and how much of it is legitimately the taliban and at the end of the day it also comes down to is the government able to protect people right because we know that there are markets where IEDs and sticky bombs are being sold, where literally mafias who have feuds with one another can use them either to kill their enemies or to scare them, you know? Um, we know how easy it is to get a gun, even a silencer nowadays. Um, and so, you know, what what is being done? Or like you have cases of, so like the, there was a woman in Kapisa province who was killed about a month ago. Her name was Firshta Kostani. And she went to the Ministry of Interior, I think it was about a month before her actual assassination, saying like, I'm at risk. I am getting threats, uh, you know, and nobody took it seriously. They didn't do anything for her. Or like these female judges, right? Like just being a judge, you're at risk of, Taliban trying to attack you, of Daesh trying to attack you for, you know, things that they don't agree with, like decisions that you make, for mafias and criminals trying to attack you. Um, they had no protect. They were just in a normal car. I went to visit their family, um, and, and they were, they kept, they, you know, they were saying, like, think about it, anywhere else in the world, the capital of that city, of that country, is supposed to be the safest place. You know, overall, obviously there's crime and things like that, but overall it's supposed to be the safest place. But now we're in a situation where the capital is just as unsafe as the anywhere else. Like I, I was saying to some friends, like it used to be when we went to Logar or when we went to Maidon Wardak or another province or districts of certain provinces, like when I went to Shindan district of Herat, you know, where, where you were afraid of landmines uh, and IEDs and things like that. Now you're afraid of that in Kabul. Um, so it's it's really, really, again, it's, it's what you guys were saying earlier, like, is the system able to deliver things to people? You know, is it able to deliver justice? Is it able to deliver security? Yeah. I mean, doesn't that kind of like make people a little bit more bold to you know act and do horrendous things like this if they feel like they're not going to be held accountable for it that's exactly the question right is how much of this is copycats and how much of this is just if it's the talibs if it's whatever how much of it is these groups knowing that they can get away with it yeah right you know, as someone who, like, is not educated on what, you know, Taliban and stuff like that looks like mm. in Afghanistan, uh, just things that I've heard from, like, you know, family members talking about it and things like that, mm. it's always been said, like, who is the Taliban really? Like, there's someone in the corner of the street right there that's going to claim to be Taliban, and there's someone on the other right. corner who doesn't know this guy that's going to say, I'm Taliban too. Right, like, right, right, right. It's just people who seem to have those, like, ideologies and they're like, I'm going to act on my own or with my gang of friends. It's almost like the people that just believe their message and choose to act on their own and I mean, take the things. name. 
that's part of it. And then the other thing is you also have to realize that uh, <laughs> Hamid Karzai had the saying, he was like uh, brotheron and noraz, like disgruntled brothers. And hmm. there are people who, for instance, like their families were killed in drone strikes or in air raids or in night raids or they see that uh, you know they don't have access to schools or an economy or roads or whatever and so they can they they fall for the Taliban propaganda right yeah. because they don't see the state actually doing any, something positive for them in fact they see them doing something negative and then so it becomes very easy for this group to come to them and say well you know there was just a drone strike that killed your brother come i'll give you a gun and you can stand up to these people um so it, it's very and then you also have the government side where very easily anyone that they don't like they can just say is a talib with very little burden of proof you know like there are suspected like there are 18 year old guys in jail right now for handing information because you know say their cousin or their brother was in the group and he put pressure on them go follow this guy tell me where he goes and like this kid is now 18 years old and in prison and facing execution never had a trial never had a lawyer um it's it's just it's it's really twisted all around you know wow because on the one hand, look, you have you have this family of these judges where one of the judges, she was like 40-something, she was the only breadwinner of her entire family. She supported something like 20 people, right? And she just carried out her job. And she was killed by four gunmen uh, who the family believes was the Talibs, but the Talibs say wasn't them. And then you have, on the other end, this 18-year-old kid who... Uh, was from Logar, who basically his cousin was like, you have to help us or I'm going to kill your family. And he basically, he was told to follow someone in Kabul, give the coordinates of like, and and explain, you know, what he does daily. He got captured by the intelligence and now he's in jail, hasn't seen his family in however long and could potentially face execution. He wasn't the one that pulled the trigger. Right, he was coerced into giving this information that he regrets now. Um, so, do you get what I'm saying? Like, like there's, yeah. it's an awful situation. However, you look at it. So, for like the P- regular, Af- like the actual gunman, that the actual gunman could be free right now. But this kid who was, you know, told threatened by his cousin, by his, I think it was his or whatever like his cousin that like you have to help me or i'm gonna kill your family you know Mm -hmm. so do you get a sense now or not now but do you get a sense like the just average citizen afghanistan where it's they're kind of like do you get like a sense of cynicism where it's like one side is 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 the taliban and and the other side like this government either way i'm either getting some form of, of institutionalized violence against me. I'm not seeing a difference between them. Do you get that kind of sense? Yeah, or 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 like, in terms of the government, like ineptitude and and corruption. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, like like I said, like 
the fact that there were fake COVID tests here for a while, or the fact that so many provincial governors have been accused of stealing the COVID money, you know? Um, and then on top of that, just like living in Kabul, in the city of Kabul, and feeling like a bomb could go, like, you know, an IED could go off at any minute, a gunman could stop on a motorcycle and kill you at any minute. Uh, so it, it's sort of like, it's absolute mm. cynicism on both ends. It's like, well, these guys are murderers and terrorists, and these guys are inept and corrupt and frauds. Mm. And then you on know? this side, we have a pandemic. Yeah, it, that's right? really tough. I mean, it's interesting because I feel like, you know, in 2020, like just living here in the States, there's like yeah. this big thing of like having to learn how to like, you know, adapt to this pandemic and to having this constant like anxiety and fear around like your daily life and everything feels like a risk and all of those things. And it's like, that's not new over there. <laughs> People no, must walk around. Yeah, consistent, like just constant feeling of i'm at risk yeah yeah so well, maybe that, we're just getting a small taste i mean that's the thing like i'm like whenever i watch like these interviews and stuff and they ask you know uh, people on tv like oh what is what is COVID? and they're like oh it's really difficult it's been a difficult year and i'm like okay it sucks but come on now like yeah. you know Have like some it's perspective. Not, yeah i mean like you know like like you just see uh you know, like like TV reporters or celebrities or whatever, just like, and some people are really like, you know, they're they're they're, uh, uh, what's the word like? They're, they get it. You know, like I think Jesus yeah. and Miro get it, but like, uh, uh, well, Jesus you know, and Miro lot, gets everything. I'm not right, right, but 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 a lot of other people, they're just like, oh, it's been such a tough year and we'll make it through and it'll be get better. And it's like, okay, yes, it sucks. Like, I get it. Like what, like 300, 400,000 people died just mm-hmm. in the U S and like, I don't know, like one or 2 million people caught it. And you yeah, know, people jobs, ter- people lost jobs. terrible yeah. financial states and businesses are, are, are shut and, you know, we'll never be able to reopen. I get all of that. And, and, and it's true. And I think for a lot of, but I think there are some people who, it's kind of become exaggerated, you know? Like, there, there, there are some people who, you know, will make it through. Well, they, they, don't, they it don't recognize the privilege that they have, right? Where it's like, yeah, if, you, yeah, if yeah. you have the ability to work from home, if you have the ability right. to order food If you have 24-hour electricity, right? Yeah. If you have reliable, fast internet... Um, yeah, if you're able, if you're an able-bodied person that can actually yeah, like yeah. drive to a, you know a, a supermarket to pick up your own groceries and everything like that, you know, there's there's certainly certain privileges that I at least I know I have that sometimes yeah. I I forget about as I do my complaining about you know <laughs> watching the same thing on Netflix over and over. Wait, again. which is not to say yeah, which is not to say that there aren't levels of privilege and i think that's part of the problem is that like you're either like ridiculously privileged or you're suffering right like there's very little in between you know there is a small sliver of in between but that it's not it's not a reliable middle class right because the idea is that you could fall out of that at any minute you know right um so, you know, not to qu- 
quickly transition. I, 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 you may be aware of the fact that uh, obviously this is dated to today, but there was a tra- a transition of of power here in the United States. Um, it was not the smoothest transition of power. It was actually surprisingly, well, maybe not surprisingly. It depends on who you ask. Um, in terms of the citizens and the people in Afghanistan, what are their views on the fact that they're not dealing with Trump anymore, Biden? What's their, what are you getting a sense there? So I was, uh, when, when, uh, by the way, Bernie stole the show. <laughs> I agree with that. Oh, with the knit, with the with the with 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 the whole ridiculous dad wear. God bless him. <laughs> Are there a lot of I Bernie hope... Bros in, in Afghanistan? <laughs> uh, not really, but like I am <laughs> hardcore. So anyhow, um, what was they saying? All oh, right, so I was uh, at a at a friend's house yesterday, and um. I was with a bunch of other like youngish guys from several different provinces, from Konad, from Nuristan, from Balkh, and we were watching when when Trump came to Maryland, right, to to the Air Force Base. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, they were going in on him so hard. I mean, I. They were just like mocking him in both like in Pashto and Dari. Like they were just, they were like, look at this guy. He used to be like so big and so pomp. And now he's like cowering and like he probably feels so stupid. And like, you know, remember the way he used to act and the way he used to talk. And, you know, now now he's just like, I mean, they were just Quietly going shuffling in on himself him. out. Exactly. Like they were just going in, like, look at what he used to be and... I mean, like the like he's a moron, and like just making when he would say things, just laughing, you know, like what did he say? Like we have great support, everybody loves us, and everybody in the room, you know, from different provinces of Afghanistan, dying of laughter at the sky, you know. Um, so there's that, but then like the truth is that like you know, no U.S. president has actually been good for this country and any real conceivable way and I think so what the people want is they want okay Biden is coming bring us peace try and like hold this government accountable mm-hmm. try and end like this mafiaism and this corruption and which is you know a tall order um, but more than anything they just they're like make your decision and bring us peace right. mm-hmm. if you talk to people in the government and they've been saying this for a while, which I found shocking, is they said, we just want a decision. You know, if you're gonna stay, stay and tell us how, how long you're gonna, like how many people you're gonna keep, how long you're gonna stay and what staying means. If you're gonna leave, tell us when you're gonna leave, but just give us a decision. Yeah, because Trump you know? didn't, right? Trump said, I, like, we're leaving. And then it kind of just didn't really materialize. Or exactly. There was like, there was like some withdrawal, but then not fully. Well, that's the thing, right? And for a while, like he was bringing in more troops, and he was, I mean, for the while, for a while, like the moneyed elites here loved the guy. Which I was like, how can you fall for this Islamophobe? But 
<laughs> well, to be fair, money elites love love him everywhere, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like they were translating his and Ivanka's books into Dari and into Pashto. Like there oh, was no, even really? someone who translated her book into Pashto, saying like she's a great example for working women. I'm like, wait, are you? Oh, like, no. Are we talking about the same Ivanka Trump? You know. <laughs> Uh, and then slowly, like, they realized he's, you know, insane. Mm. But it took a while. At least they got there. Yeah. I mean, we... At the very we, end. Most of us... Or not most, but there's a handful of, of us that have not gotten there here in the U.S. You mean 74 uh, million people? Yeah, not I was about to say, not just I a just, handful. I, I just met within the <laughs> Afghan community, but yes. Oh. <laughs> the, 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 the American community at large, there is, yeah, 70, yeah. what, 74, 75 million yeah, yeah, and it's true. Like he has a base. You can't say he doesn't. And oh yeah. The one good thing welcome. he did is like, he exposed the realities, and I think that the U.S. needs that. You know, because I think if they think just returning to the Obama status quo is good enough, then right. So we're in a if bad you, if you state. Don't mind me, so <laughs> if you don't mind me asking, I know you mentioned that the elite, or not the elites, but like the government, when it said mm-hmm. like. You know, you either just tell us when you're leaving or tell us that you're staying. What about the yeah? What about everyday average citizens? What are, what do they Every think day, in terms of the the troops? They just want peace. They're like whatever mm-hmm. will bring peace. Um. That that that's what matters because the troops in the big cities haven't really been part of anyone's lives for like a decade. And in the districts and in the villages, they have a very bad legacy, you know, like, I don't know if you saw the report of what, like, the Australians did here, or Mm -hmm. the fact that Donald Trump was considering pardoning Robert Bales, the guy who carried out the Kandor massacre, Um, or, you know, they remembered things like night raids and drone strikes, so they don't, you know, they're not very fond of it in any case. Um, so I think, but the, the average, average person literally just wants peace. Mm-hmm. So whatever will bring peace is, is what they want. And do you, do you find that to be the case, male and, and female? Like, I, yes. I guess the thing, cause I, I'm, I realized how, you know, 90% of this conversation, we kind of didn't really specify whether we're talking about Afghan women versus Afghan men. Do you yeah. get a sense, do you get a sense that this answer changes? for each one or no on the whole no but the, this this is what i because i've gotten in trouble for this this is what i'll say is that there are i would say if we had to speak on the whole right mm-hmm. there are sort of like three answers to peace right one which i think is is a is a, is a large a large contingent of the population is just bring us peace and and we'll deal with whatever comes after you know because we just need to stop the killing right we don't need our women to be widows anymore our children to be orphans anymore uh our men to die you know like we just just bring us peace and we'll deal with what comes later and then you have people who say no it can't just be peace anymore it has to be peace plus retaining the rights and privileges and uh, advances that, that we have now, you know? And then there are others that say peace plus the rights and privileges plus justice, right? Um, 
So this is the question of how do you find a way to, you know, for, for the people who, for, which I think is the vast majority, who just want the peace, how do you first just bring the peace? And for the people who are afraid of losing whatever privileges and rights and advances they have now, how do you ensure that those don't get taken away? Um, justice is very difficult in this country because we've never had it, you know, like the communists never had to pay, the warlords never had to pay, and the Talibs will never have to pay either. Uh, so so justice is, is, is very difficult, but I think at this point it, it's a question of how do you bring peace and also ensure people who are afraid of losing things that they have now. It's a, it's a, it's a good way of framing things. Um, I hope so. Yeah, and if that cynicism exists, I mean, is does anyone really believe that even if they say there will be peace, will will there actually be peace? Well, that's the thing because people say, look, since the peace talks have started, things haven't gone. It, the killings have increased, the bombings have increased, the assassinations have increased, it's actually gotten worse. I mean, to be fair, peace processes take a long time. Like, I was, I was researching it, like, Vietnam took something like five years, but five years of continued bloodshed isn't really very, uh, what's the word, like, comforting for people. It's not assuring for people. Yeah. Um, you know? So it's, um, I mean, it makes on the sense. one hand, it's, uh, it's unrealistic to expect, you know, like this massive conflict with these, you know, huge divides over how they see the future of the country to be resolved over, you know, a few months. Um, but on the other, you know, several more years of violence and bloodshed is also untenable. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, Ali, thank you so much for everything that you've provided. Um, you know, we have, we went through a lot to, uh, in this conversation. Um, we do have one more uh, section, which I think okay. we're going to continue to do, which is the <laughs> trivia game. All right. So uh, let me explain the rules just in case uh, some people may not remember, which I would be deeply offended by because, you know, I've spent a good deal of time on this. So, um, Ali, I'm going to ask you 10 questions. These are these questions absolutely have a right and a wrong answer. Um, (laughs) And so I will then tabulate your results. And then you'll be up on our, you know, up on our scoreboard against all of the other guests that managed to play. Um, it's been a while since we did this, so I actually don't know who number one is, but who knows? After today, it might be you. Yeah, if you get all ten. I think you have to get all ten <laughs> in order to be. I think someone did get nine because they yelled at me during it. <laughs> So now you know right, if you yell on. at Weiss, you'll get an extra I, point or two. I All right, let's go. Me. <laughs> okay. On. So are are you ready? Yes. All right. Question one: What is the capital of Afghanistan? Kabul. It used to nice. be Kandahar, but now it's Kabul. Look at that. You know what? I was about to say. <laughs> I think he should get a bonus point for that. I don't know. The, he, oh, he gave and wait, Weiss, you wait. give out points give too you, easily. I'll give Calm you down. even more. 
I'll give you even more. The okay. problem is I don't remember exactly which king, but during, I think it was Abdurrahman, during one of the kings, the capital in the winter would move to Jalalabad. All right. Just for that, I'm deducting you that bonus point because now you're just Damn trying it. to off. <laughs> Good job. Right. to represent my people. Question number two. Name an ingredient in kichiri krut. Uh, what do you, kofta? I hate it. <laughs> oh my god, you hate kichiri krut? Yes. Oh my gosh, it's one of my favorite Afghan dishes. Hang on. So... Ali he doesn't get the point just it, because right? he said he hates it. No, you have become my best friend for saying oh, that you hate it. Yes, thank God. Okay, we're moving on. What's question number three? So hold on. For for the uninitiated, kichiri kurut is like mushy, gross, uh, slimy. You're not explaining it right. It's, Don't it's, listen to it's, him. It's shola with chaka with with with, with a crap ton of oil. Yeah. And Roja. Yeah, Susan, yeah. Susan, did I describe it well enough for you? No, not at all. And so whoever is in your life is not making it right. <laughs> Let, right. Eat my mom's. All right, you know what? All right, let's do that. I, I'm, I, I, I can't criticize your mom's kichikurut. I'm sure I won't enjoy it, though. <laughs> There's, I, I'm too far gone. I'm like, I'm 32. If I didn't like it yet, I don't think I'm going to like it now. Okay. So, Moving on. Qu- question number four: Farhad Daria or Aidar Salim? Oh God! You got you got two seconds to answer this. Neither. Neither. <laughs> Sorry, no. Susan, Susan, what do you think? Do you, should he get a point for that? I think he should get a point for that. Oh, I, wow. I mean, I'd lean a little. I'd give you half a point if you picked Farhad Daria, but um, but you get a full point for saying neither. The you answer was Nashnas. You know what? We get- exactly. <laughs> oh, That's Nash- what I wanted to say. Nashnas or Zahir um, Waidar. You know, it's funny. Something I was better. about to put Nashnas, but I was like, I don't want this to get too regional, and I don't want any Pashto speakers to yell at me if, if, <laughs> if I said that that one was wrong. <laughs> Um, okay, well, I'll, I'll give you credit for that just because it's a good way to avoid <laughs> people getting mad at you, just saying neither. No, okay, I mean, so, I picked one that spoke, that sang in Pashto and one that's sang in Dari. But, like, no, I don't want either one of those. Okay, again, again, this, this, God. trying to appeal to the masses is not helping you. I'm giving you zero now. Oh, um, God. Okay, question number five. Better superhero, Wonder Woman or Black Widow? Black Widow. Oh, wait, Wonder Woman or Black Widow? Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. This all is right. such a mean uh, question to like post Ali. Uh, all right, here's what I'll say. Wonder Woman, if you take Gal Gadot out of it, Wonder Woman. Absolutely. <laughs> so Good answer. You get half credit because the actual oh right answer is the new Miss Marvel, Kamala Khan. Oh good. That's good. Have you read that? And Have you read good. those by the way? No, no, it's good. They're very good. Very good, oh. um, and and not to not to not to be mean to you, but unfortunately, it's going to be a show on Disney Plus soon. <laughs> I know. I was just gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so number question number six: better sport, soccer or volleyball? Football, soccer. I think that's correct, but I'll I'll defer to Susan on that one. I'll give you that one, especially because you called it football. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, <laughs> you 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 gave it the true an- the true name, not the name I came up with. Okay, so question number seven: better animal, lion or tiger? Lion. Yes, and I that one's correct. Why. Correct answer. Oh, you're not even gonna let you're not even gonna let me <laughs> determine whether that one was correct. No, all I right. jumped in for you. All right, all right. I would have said tiger just because I think the no. Jungle Book, the lion or the tiger there is a much better character than anyone in Lion King. <laughs> but I'm since Susan was so passionately supportive for Lion, I'm gonna I'll 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 let you win that one. <laughs> Question number eight: If you have if you have to choose one newspaper to read, which one would it be? The New York Times <laughs> or the Washington Post? Um, nowadays, the Washington Post. That is correct. I actually, I enjoy the Washington Post more than the New York Times. I don't know. There's something about the New York Times that bugs me. There used to be a time when, like, the New York Times just wasn't a very good paper, like, in, like, the mid-2000s. And then a few years ago, it started to be, like, a decent paper again. But now I think it's just back to being you know, what it was in, like, the mid-2000s. Also, I remember after the coup attempt in Turkey, there was a Washington Post article and a New York Times one. The New York Times one just went in on Erdogan, like, just just, just chopped the guy up. And then, like, the Washington Post one was actually much more measured. So I actually mm. appreciated the Washington Post. As a, as a journalist, you appreciated that more. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because, like... You know, like, I think just attacking Erdogan is an easy thing to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So question number nine. Uh, better hangout spot, the beach or the river? Um, the beach. You would think. I The correct answer is actually a river. It's it's really weird. <laughs> um, okay. Look, I mean, look, look. In Afghanistan, there the are river, no beaches and... in Afghanistan. <laughs> I was yeah. going to say. See, in Afghanistan, the river and. Yeah. There are stories oh, they well, can you tell you, you all about why I say that. <laughs> you should have gone with your gut. What can I say? All right, last question. Tabla or Rabob? Rabob. That Susan. is a tough one. Susan, but... yes. I'll let Susan decide this one. This one's too tough for me. But come on, when you hear a tabla, like, there's a very specific beat right away that you're like, that. Like, that just makes every Afghan move. So, sorry, <laughs> oh, so you know it's funny. Every time I defer, I like you to too. This the, is not cool. Every time I defer to the my co-host, they they are way more your unforgiving co- than I am. Your co-host, who by the way is related to me, keeps forgetting. <laughs> maybe right? maybe like, I welcomed her that... into my family. Okay, I flew across the world to go to her wedding. Yeah, and wasn't the tabla amazing at the wedding? Wow. <laughs> you know what that's the perfect note to end this uh this um this episode ali thank you so much but before we let you go um i do want to see like in terms of plugs like if if people want to read your work or or follow you what what are your your social media handles (laughs) it's the same on uh twitter and instagram it's ali bomaye uh a-L-I-B-O-M-A-Y-E. If you get upset at what I say, I'm sorry. But if you don't want to get upset, just follow me on Instagram. It's I need the followers. 
cool. I was about to say, if, if you're upset, you should. He's you less should... controversial on Instagram. Way less. If, it, I'm, I, I think any it's much more my actual offended, personality. Yeah. For any listeners who are offended, please subscribe to our podcast and give us a good review. And listen to my <laughs> and, 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 and follow my Instagram. All right. Thank you so much for, for taking the time out to talk to us. Yes. Thank, thank you, you, Ali. Thank you, guys. The Sandy Varn Network.